to the Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM, The Answer Orlando. Matt Buff, your host here, sitting in the easy chair in the Liam Fitzpatrick studio. Up late last night watching this vote fall to pieces, which is good when it comes to the government takeover of elections here in America. But we need to find answers up in Canada. Yeah, what, what, were, what are you saying, Matt? We need to find answers up there because the whole Democrat premise, right? The whole premise was you guys are all victims and we need to protect your vote from the federal level. You guys are all victims because you can't stand in line. You can't do all this. I want to get not to the bottom of the Democrat talking points. I want to get to the bottom of the victimhood culture that we're seeing running rampant in America. So let's bring on a special guest. The book is The Victim Cult, How the Grievance Culture Hurts Everyone and Wrecks Civilizations. Public policy analyst and think tank president Mark Milkey explains how society's current obsession with victimhood has grown toxic to everyone and detrimental to the potential progress of everything and everyone. Let's bring him on right now. Mark Milkey, welcome to The Buff Show. Great to have you. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Well, this is not a joke what we're seeing all the time. There's a lot of messaging from the top down about how you're a victim, we need to protect you, and it goes well beyond that when it comes to people thinking they're victims too. So thanks for joining us. You bet. I mean, everybody knows someone who thinks like a victim. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Uh, we should have compassion for real victims. But uh, in the victim cult, I mean, I look at examples from Yale University in 2015 where people think they're victims of Halloween costumes or uh, other college students who will earn six figures after they graduate right? Or politicians who think they're victims of the media. Well, look, the media picks on everyone, and rightly so when you're in politics. So um, it's very, the thing that struck me about uh, many of the modern examples and debates and claims of victimhood is that we live in one of the most prosperous times ever. I mean, not everyone's prosperous, not everyone's doing well, but let's compare ourselves to you know, almost any point in history, any country in history. And uh, the claim to be a victim is so um, not American. I mean, America was founded on this notion of this can-do notion. So I'm fascinated by the notion that so many people think they're victims of things like microaggressions or what happened 100 or 200 years ago. Um, it's a bit of a cop-out, and it's unfortunate because it really, I think, betrays the, the, the grand American ethos of you know, opportunity. Well, I want everybody to check out victimcult.com. That's the website where you can get the book and see the reviews and see everything. And I was just fascinated with your introduction into the book from Cain and Abel to Donald Trump. You went, Mark, you went to the beginning of the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, think about the, the biblical creation story. I mean, uh, God says to Adam and Eve, don't pick from the, uh, the tree. Don't pick the fruit. Well, what do they do? They, they pick the fruit. God comes along later and says, what did you do? And the blame game starts right there. I'm a victim yeah. right there. Uh, Adam says, I'm a victim of Eve. Eve says, I'm a victim of the snake. I mean, Adam even says, I'm a victim of you, God. You gave me Eve. And so it starts right there. And then, of course, later on in Genesis, you get the other the other story of Cain and Abel, you know, a little more serious, where Cain and Abel offer the sacrifice to God. Um, God accepts uh, Abel's and doesn't accept Cain's, and uh, Cain gets his nose out of joint, and who does he blame? His brother, kills his brother. Um, so this blame game, and I'm a victim, uh, goes all the way back to, to this biblical creation story. And uh, you see, it, it just seems to be part of human nature. 
uh, and we have to fight it. But it's not it's not good. It's not positive. And in fact, what it does is it says you can't change your circumstances. You're a victim all the time. And, and again, there are real tragedies in history. I mean, there have been um, you know over 110 billion human beings in the history of the planet. There's like seven and a half billion of us alive today. You're going to run into other people accidentally sometimes. Nature sometimes will send a storm your way and make you a victim. So I'm not downplaying actual victimization in history or now, um, but I, it's really dangerous to get stuck there, right? And the best part about the United States, the best part about America is people have said, you know something, this isn't a great situation, I'm gonna change it. And in the victim cult, I give a, an example of Asian Americans, for example, who between 1850 and 1950 did face severe prejudice and discrimination but they fought back and they also said, look, we wanna integrate. We wanna be part of American mainstream life. We don't wanna be in these silos that the racists would have us in. And they fought back and they improved their own circumstances and America and, and literally helped the American dream propel itself forward. So I think there are positive examples in the victim cult as well. No, there's positive examples, but there's also really negative examples. And I love how you break down the difference between and the conjunction between victimhood and cult-like behavior. For example, chapter eight is Adolf Hitler, a self-professed victim who basically created a cult <laughs> of personality. He did. he did. A lot of people, you know, if they know their history, know that Germans after 1933 or before in the 1920s, thought themselves victims of the Versailles Treaty, the World War I Treaty, quasi-imposed on them. Um, but this notion of victimhood goes back much further. Germans were actually victims uh, of the French in the late 1700s. The French had occupied some German lands. Once the Germans kicked them out in the early 1800s, the Germans, though, still think of themselves as victims, and they're trying to recreate their national identity. And they fasten on to this notion of pure culture. Uh, today, we call it, you know, they'd be afraid of cultural appropriation, someone stealing their culture or someone infecting their culture. This is where the Germans were at. But they were always afraid of being victimized again by others. And so they rejected, for example, the British. They rejected English liberalism. They rejected free enterprise. They rejected individual freedom in, in their quest to like create this national German identity and make Germany great again. Literally, that was the language they used. And um, what they do in the, in the 19th century is they fasten onto this notion of pure culture. And it, really, a, a, a 19th century form of identity politics. And again, we see that again today. And it's dangerous because none of us can change where we were born. None of us obviously can change our skin color. But this is what Germans were involved in. And they, they were paranoid of the outside world rather than learning from others. And uh, like, like, you know, us in the English West, really. Um, and so Germans all, and Adolf Hitler comes along and captures this perfectly. But he also thinks of himself literally as a victim. Here's a guy who started a world war. Here is a guy who uh, was responsible for the Holocaust. And he thought himself of a victim of a bad lottery ticket, like in 1910. And he thought of himself certainly as a victim of the war that he started. I mean, it's amazing the psychological mindset of Adolf Hitler, who you know, the greatest tyrant in, in world history, the most brutal tyrant, the most vicious tyrant in world history. I mean, right up well with Stalin. I mean, take your pick. And uh, he doesn't. He doesn't have any sense of reality of, of his own self-created situation. Even Adolf Hitler thinks of himself as a victim. So I found this fascinating but horrifying how deep this can go. And that's, by the way, the subtext of the, the subtitle of, of the victim cult, how, how the victim culture can destroy civilizations. Uh, German culture, which was, you know, Bach and Beethoven becomes known for uh, Dachau uh, and concentration camps. 
and they almost destroy a second civilization, right? Our civilization, the English civilization, really that emanates from Great Britain. Um, so that's, you know, Adolf Hitler is an interesting example of someone you think, really? You think of yourself as a victim? How does this come to be? It's pretty deep in human nature and pretty troubling. One speech you can see from Hitler is the big lie speech. This is when the foreign invaders were coming. And he said, he gave a speech and you can hear it. It's all a lie. It's not happening. It's just a lie. They're trying to kill us. That's what happened. That whole speech is about victimhood, even though he's doing all these atrocious things. <laughs> well, and, and uh, the Versailles Treaty, which uh, you know Germany agreed to at the end of World War I, was in fact not as damaging to Germany as, as Germans thought at the time and historians have, have you know, sometimes said since. I mean, Germany deliberately, uh, for example, caused, their, their caused inflation in order to pay back the, the allies and cheap German marks. Um, I mean, German, German politicians knew what they were doing. They were taking advantage of the situation. Um, you know, and yet they, you know, they told the public they were victims of, of what? Again, a, a war that they had started World War I. So there is this tendency in human nature to not take responsibility. And that's another part of you know, the victim cult, which is the, the notion that you're a victim, even when you are, by the way, uh, that's, that's unhelpful, it's unproductive. I mean, if you're an actual victim of something, sure, fight back like Asian Americans did against prejudice in 1870, in 1900, 1920, 1940. Um, but do not, for, for heaven's sakes, uh, get stuck there. But th this notion in, in Germany well, that's why I thought it was important to highlight that because not everything ends the same, but victimhood leads to cultural disaster for sure. In Canada, for example, free speech laws, right, are really hampered because of offending somebody. You can go to jail. Is that correct, Martin? You can go to jail if you say the wrong thing in a public setting. Well, in Canada, we have hate speech laws, which you can't say anything negative about an identifiable group. Uh, which is pretty amorphous. Uh, so somebody can accuse you of this, drag you in front of a human rights tribunal. I, I haven't seen anybody go to jail because of this, but they can might make your life very difficult. They can fine you, um, that sort of thing. You can get fired. So uh, it's crazy because, look, sometimes you have to say something negative. Um, but if, if someone you know, has a grievance and, and think as, thinks of themselves as a victim, I mean, this is kind of like the slavery debate in the United States. If you say, look, I'm sorry, um, your condition today uh, as, as a black American is really not due to slavery over one, you know, a century and a half ago. It's got to do with more recent choices or poor schools in some neighborhoods and that sort of thing. Um, you know, in Canada, perhaps, this could be interpreted as picking on an identifiable group as opposed to you know, what the economist Thomas Sowell has done all of his life and say, look, look for the real cause and effect. And this is another problem of, of the victim cult and victim cults in general they often give you these false cause and effect links and say, I'm a result of what happened 100 years ago or 200 years ago. Bill Clinton, after 9-11, even blamed part of 9-11 on the Crusades a thousand years ago. I remember ago. that, yeah. Yeah, and he said, look, this is, this is part of the reason the Arab world is upset. Well, he was wrong because, look, pre-internet, 1850, it was actually Europeans who brought back the notion of the Crusades into the Arab memory. It had been forgotten. It was just another war. I mean, there are lots of wars between the Islamic world and the Christian West between 700 and by the time of the Crusades. It was just another war. But Bill Clinton and others, or sort of Europeans in like the mid-19th century, bringing this up again, actually created a victim mentality among Arabs 
who said, yeah, that's why we're you know, behind the West. No, you're behind the West because of your educational priorities or the lack thereof. Your, your inattention to science these days, unlike say 700 years previous, but you can, and that's the weird thing. Social yeah. media these days, uh, you can actually take an event from a thousand years ago or five years ago and blow it up and say this, you know, and tell stories about it. And it seems as real as yesterday, but it's not. It's um, not. You know, and, and that's the problem though, because people can focus on these grievances from way back and attribute them uh, the, the, whatever happened, you know, five years ago or 500 years ago to their situation today. And it really creates this false uh, cause and effect uh, story uh, as opposed to more immediate circumstances. I mean, you step on my foot yesterday, I may have a, a bruised toe today, but to really, to, to blame something on 200 years ago or a thousand years ago, that's rich. That's ridiculous. The book is The Victim Cult, How the Grievance Culture Hurts Everyone and Wrecks Civilizations. Martin... Milky, thanks so much for joining us on The Buff Show with this wonderful insight. We need it now today. Thank you. All right. That's a great book, everybody. you got to check it out. We'll put the link on thebuffshow.com. We'll be back. You guys stay with us. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. Happy hour drafts every day of the week and all day Sunday. Dollar off drafts and house wines, $2 off well liquors. And Liam Fitzpatrick's has tons of special events tonight. It's Taco Tuesday on Thursdays. Live music and specials all night on tacos, tequila, and margaritas. Friday's live music and happy hour, then brunch with $10 champagne over the weekend. Mention the Buff Show, get 10% off your order. Liam Fitzpatrick's Restaurant and Irish Pub in Lake Mary. LiamFitzpatrick's.com. Hey, you may have heard radio show hosts talking trash on solar. Yes, even conservative talk show hosts. There was a silly comparison to trucks running 10,000 miles, carbon emissions, and panel production. It came off as like a liberal argument against a liberal problem. Shallow knowledge as opposed to experts in the field. Politics, global warming, and other environmental concerns aside, the number one reason to buy solar is simple math. Have you looked at your power bill? It has risen in the last five years. How much more will it go up in the next five years? It's a rigged game and all solar energy empowers you to stop playing a rigged game. A solar electric system freezes your costs and shields you from upcoming rate increases. If you choose to finance a solar electric system, the payment on a system that zeroes out your bill is typically less than your current power bill. This is simple math. Call All Solar Energy in Longwood tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or online at www.allsolarenergy.com. More information on this later in the show. Welcome back to The Buff Show. Ashley Varner here with us from Freedom Foundation. Ashley, it's Freedom Foundation Thursday. Yes, it is. And happy to be back with you, Matt. Well, it's always great to have you. Lots to cover. Now, first of all, we got to go over our football picks because you correctly picked last Thursday the Kansas City Chiefs to cover the 12 and a half points. There she is. She's got her, her shirt on, the Chiefs shirt oh, on. <laughs> You're prepared today. And uh, the first quarter, it didn't look so good, but then they kind of got it together and ended up covering the points just like you predicted. I had to change shirts at the end of the first quarter. So um, I, I have several shirts laid out ready to go. And if one's not working, I, I change, uh, change up the strategy there. So um, 
It's going to be an interesting game. I'm nervous because the Bills are looking hot. They had a perfect game. Um, I do have a colleague, um, beloved coworker who is from Buffalo. And so we have oh. a friendly bet. Uh, we have done this for a couple years now. And last year, uh, the bet was uh, that the loser had to wear the winner's hat to the next all staff meeting. And so uh, I bought a brand new Chiefs hat um, and he did wear it to the all staff meeting, uh, which was nice. But this year um, I, I have asked him, you know, what do you want to be the bet? He's thinking about hats again. I don't know, Matt, I've got I've got some Kansas City barbecue. I would be happy to share. Uh, we got Jack Stack. We got Arthur Bryant's and we've oh, got wow. those. Um, every time I go home, I have to bring back some barbecue. Don't use that Casey masterpiece. So um, I'm, I'm happy to share uh, if Kansas City loses, but we're still working out um, the determination of the bets. So you're saying if he wins, the Buffalo fan, if he wins, he gets the Kansas City barbecue, which is the good stuff. Arthur Bryant's and exactly. Jack Stack, the good stuff, not the commercial right. stuff. Right, right. So uh, a little token and I'm not sure what if we win. So we're still yeah, what's what does Buffalo have to offer that you would want? Well, they do have Buffalo wings. I, <laughs> I do like wings. I don't know. <laughs> wings from uh, wherever your local bar is. or <laughs> They don't call it Buffalo Wild Wings for nothing. I, I'm not here to give other commercials, <laughs> but yeah, that's I'm right. still determining what the bet's going to be. It's going to be a good game. Um, it, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat, as I'm sure you are. I, I'm going to have to take Buffalo in this one on the record. I'm going to have to do it. They just destroyed the Patriots. Like you said, it was the perfect game. And uh, even the the do-nothing Steelers dropped 20 on them. I think the Chiefs are in trouble here. I like Buffalo by three. What's your What's your pick? All right, the Chiefs kingdom, I am not neglecting you as Matt is, so I'm going to stick <laughs> with my Chiefs. Okay, good. And you might have to change a few shirts during this game. I'm, I'm prepared. I always do laundry right ahead of the game, so I have plenty of options. Okay, very good. That's awesome. So next week, see, that's why we talk about it on the show, so that way before the games you see our picks and you can and see them next time. This Freedom Foundation Thursday is ballooning out of control. We have production value, and now we're, we're doing football picks, Ashley. That's right. We're growing by leaps and bounds here. Yes, we are. And we will see you. And if you're here listening on 94.9, The Answer Orlando and planning on going to CPAC, you will see the Freedom Foundation booth there and you can meet Ashley in person. So that's going to be awesome. You guys are going to be talking about how to get people out of unions, put more money in the paychecks. That's right. We're really looking forward to CPAC. We had a great booth last year. Uh, we were giving out T-shirts. We were talking to folks and just meeting a bunch of people. Uh, I've been going to CPAC for years. We have a few people each year who it's their first time. So we're excited to introduce uh, Freedom Foundation employees to CPAC. And uh, the booth is always a fun time. Come on by. If you're at CPAC, come by the Freedom Foundation booth. Uh, we'll have things to give out. Uh, happy to talk with anyone. If you know a, a public sector union member, especially if you know a teacher who's tired of the unions. We're here to help talk them through getting out, keeping more of their paycheck and stop funding uh, the political agenda of these unions. 
No, absolutely. I know a lot of people will be excited about that because we have that problem in Florida. We're all talking about the National Teachers Union. You guys have an article out here called Hail to the Chief of the Teachers Union by Freedom Foundation. Just came out yesterday. We're going to post it on the buffshow.com news page, but you can find it on Red State as well. We'll put the link out there. And you're talking about how you've exposed numerous examples coast to coast of teachers unions trying to delay a return to normalcy from New York City to Chicago to Los Angeles. It's just unbelievable what uh, what has happened. And now the union is suing Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, Ashley, because of the mask mandates. These guys are out of control. Yeah, this is ridiculous. And, and we do have a, every other Wednesday at redstate.com. Uh, last night we went live with this on the teachers' unions. And, and how did they get such hubris? How did they get to this mindset that they could control uh, the lives of millions of people, students and their parents and families across the country based on their political or personal whims, you know, the teachers' union bosses? Um, and, and really what we've talked about, you and I and and other Freedom Foundation folks over the past couple months is the teachers unions have made policies to keep schools closed or to uh, keep uh, education, you know, at a minimum, really, for the students and the children. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while. We talked about la uh, last time we were on, um, the teachers union was found to have uh, been lobbying the CDC, right, this time last year to slow the reopening of schools. Then we found out uh, just last week that the National School Boards Association sent the letter about angry parents showing up at school boards. Well, that was at the behest and request of the uh, Department of Education Secretary, Miguel Cardona. And then the same week last week, we found out that the National Education Association uh, leaned heavily on big tech companies to suppress what they called misinformation. So all of this is coming out. But one thing that we focused on in yesterday's article at redstate.com is that how did they get to this? How did, how did they come to have such arrogance? And it's really when you have all of these leaders in our country, whether it's the technocrats, whether it's the bureaucrats at the uh, head of agencies bowing down to their dictates, what we didn't see and what I wanted to talk about with you today is a little known video. It didn't get a lot of play last week, but it's really something I think more people should watch. And it's the U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murphy. And he is addressing a webinar with the American Federation of Teachers. And in it, he addresses Randy Weingarten as though she's a head of state. It's it's mind blowing to watch. It's it's difficult to watch. Let's, I transcribed it so that most people don't have to. But go to the article and um, we have a transcription there. He actually tells teachers at the end, the, the teachers union activists, when we're when we're on the other side of this pandemic, we're going to be here to help you recover and heal. It's like she's called by God to lead our children into living in fear. These unions. They really have uh, the, the union leaders. Again, we want to say these are not we're not talking about rank and file teachers across the country, no. but these union leaders and their activists in the union who take their dictates and spread them throughout the public school system. Uh, they really have gotten a big head. And now we can see why. That is the Surgeon General of the United States talking to uh, the teachers union activists as though 
they are they have the Midas touch. And how could we have gotten through the past two years without them? They've shown us how to take care of our kids. It, it is hard to watch. Uh, that's why if you just want to read the transcript, you can. Uh, we also have it at our website at freedomfoundation.com. You can read it instead of watch it. But but again, it didn't get much attention, Matt, but I think it is the perfect example of why we are where we here, where why we are here today. And when you mentioned Virginia, honestly, uh, I, I live in Virginia. I I did not anticipate knowing who was going to be the next governor on election night. I actually had no expectation that I would know. So it was a shock that Glenn Youngkin uh, won that night um, and we, we knew going to bed. But on his first day, he signed 11 executive orders. One of them was get the mask mandate in schools across the state of Virginia. Within hours of him signing that executive order on his first day, the left-leaning D.C. suburbs in Virginia, the Arlington County, Fairfax County, Alexandria City, um, they all, the school districts, released statements saying, eh, we're going to keep our mask mandates in place. Uh, we don't care what the governor just said. So they, even though the teachers unions aren't necessarily strong in Virginia, it, it's more of an association, but they do pay into the national teachers union organizations. And so there are still many activists in the Northern Virginia left-leaning school districts who are taking their cues from Randy Weingarten and, as you saw, from uh, the U.S. Surgeon General, who basically told them they've done no wrong. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a fight in Virginia. There are going to be people who say, uh, you know, we're here. You're here for one term of five years in Virginia uh, for the governor. Uh, we're going to be here when you're gone. We're just going to wait until you're out of here. So it'll be a fight. Well, it's going to be a fight, but keep up the good work. Everybody check out freedomfoundation.com. Ashley, good luck this weekend with your football game, and we'll keep up this fight too on our end, letting everybody know about this and post these articles. I like you, but I hope you're wrong this weekend, Matt. Yes, indeed. I hope I am too. I'm just kind of trying to be realistic. Ashley Varner, everybody, check out freedomfoundation.com. Have a great weekend. Okay, we'll be right back on The Buff Show. You guys stay with us. Since 2012, Cellular Tronics has been providing Central Florida with the best phone repair and electronics repair. We fix all electronics from iPhone, Samsung, Sony, and many more. We also do TV repair and fix your tablets. Right now, you can get a glass back cover for the iPhone 8 to an iPhone X for only $95. iPhone 11 and up, back covers are only $120. We have two locations to serve you in Sanford and DeBerry. Visit Cellulartronics.com or call 407 407- 707-302-3396. That's cellulartronics.com or 407-302-3396. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning is the official pressure washing company of The Buff Show. While Matt's doing the dirty work on the show, Action Plus Pressure Washing has been doing the dirty work for the last 15 years in Central Florida. They use a soft wash system to clean pool enclosures, driveways, pool decks, houses, and commercial property. They even clean large and small parking lots and buildings. Wow! Action Plus offers other services such as lawn maintenance, one-time service to weekly service, mowing, weeding, edging, and trimming, and hauling away debris. You can get more than one service, and they offer bundle pricing. Check out their weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly services for lawn maintenance and ask about their free standard two-driveway with house wash services. Family-owned and operated, get your free estimate at actionplusprussurecleaning.com or call 386-506-1048. That's 386-506-1048. Action Plus Pressure Cleaning. They aim to please. 
Welcome back to the Buff Show in 950 94.9 FM, the answer Orlando. Matt Buff, your host. We got a huge event coming next month to Orlando. We got to jump into it with two very special guests, Matt Schlapp and Mercedes Schlapp on the Buff Show. Great to have you guys. Great to be with you again, Matt. Yeah, it's great, it's to, great be to be with you. Hey, by the way, Matt, your last name, I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the best last name for radio. Like the buff show? I mean, seriously. Oh, no, I appreciate you saying that. And a lot of people ask me, Mercedes, is it your real last name? And I am here to clarify, it is my real last name. It's more of a name than a physical appearance, but it's still my name. Oh, okay. Well, you might be um, able to bring in more of these, what are they, the bodybuilders to listen to the show. You can, like, diversify your audience. It's perfect. Yeah, I might need some of those guys because as the show grows, the liberals aren't too happy. <laughs> oh, no, I want you to know that, like, Schlapp is really my last name, too. I didn't make it up. <laughs> That's what That was my follow-up question, so I'm glad you, you preempted that. That is awesome. So it's great to have both of you. Coming up, we have CPAC 2022, February 24th through 27th, and you guys just made a huge announcement of a major guest that's coming. Yeah, well, I think we made two. We uh, we have Ron DeSantis, the great, I call him America's governor, is going to open up our conference on uh, the 24th, uh, just like he did last year when we're in Orlando. And I think he's been, he's provided such inspirational leadership uh, at a critical time. And I think Florida's really leading the way. And we also uh, announced that Sean Hannity, the great Sean Hannity, a great friend of CPAC will be headlining our Reagan dinner Saturday night. Uh, and that's going to be a very special event. So we're really glad that Sean's coming back to CPAC. Now, that'll be great to see him there. We had a great time on Radio Row at the last one. And it'll be even better this time because I don't think we're going to have the, the masks in place at this one. Well, you know, the Hyatt Hotel Corporation decided to become a bit hostile with us for whatever reason. But we didn't hold that against uh, the city of Orlando or the state of Florida. So uh, we decided to rebid out uh, and um, we're going to go to the Rosen at Shingle Creek and everybody can go to conservative.org to get the tickets that are remaining. There are still tickets remaining, although they are going fast. And last year there was a city mask mandate and, uh, and social distancing requirements from the hotel. They'd only let us have like a thousand people in the ballroom. It was, you know, quite onerous. And what was interesting at the hotel is they made all the CPAC people wear masks, but at the convention before and after CPAC, they didn't really seem to enforce that law too much. So as conservatives and as Americans, we're kind of used to this shabby treatment from a lot of corporations. And uh, we have a great relationship with the Rosen and there's going to be no, uh, people can make their own choices on masks because that's called freedom. And they can make their own choices on vaccines because that's called freedom. And we can jam-pack the ballroom, and we intend to do so. No, absolutely. Mercedes Schlapp, what's your role at CPAC this year? What are you going to be talking about? Oh, I just try to keep Matt Schlapp emotionally <laughs> stable. That's my job every year. I don't know what you're talking Not about. Not an easy job. The family <laughs> always says that when you want to see grumpy Matt Schlapp, it's usually around the Christmas holidays and around CPAC. So our job is just to keep him sane. Uh, no, you, um, you know, I have the great honor of uh, after, you know, I worked on at the White Trump White House and then the Trump campaign 
I was hoping to take a huge long sabbatical and then Match Lab is like, you know what? Like, come help me out at CPAC and help me help help build out our online show, CPAC. Now, Matt, you need to come on. It'll be so much fun. And uh, it's been really hugely successful. We hit over 12 million views um, and just as it continues to grow. And so I've had a lot of fun building that uh, whole programming out. So, you know, I'll be moderating panels, uh, talking about obviously the issues that matter most during that we focus our time in stopping these crazy radical left wing uh, leaders and these socialists from taking over America. So, you know, there's a lot to talk about. I got to tell you, the excitement's huge for CPAC. And, uh, you know, I just can't wait to, to be a part of it and, and see all of us, the family of conservatives, come together uh, in February in Orlando. Well, absolutely. It's going to be great. And, and I'd love to join you on that. Um, you can get my email from Brian and, and info at thebuffshow.com. I know where to find you. Yeah, yeah you know so where fun. to find we'll me. We'll interview you, which is always a, which is always wonderful. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll kind of turn the tables on that one. That'll be awesome. That's right. Matt, you tweeted out um, something from the uh, what I call the, one of the most fixed press conferences of all time yesterday. I got to get your take on this real quick. I'm going to play this this for you because um, it was just one of the most unbelievable moments. Um, let me get it here real quick. Bear with me. Here it comes. It's Biden talking about Afghanistan. No way to get out of Afghanistan after 20 years easily. Not possible, no matter when you did it. And I make no apologies for what I did. How about that? No apologies, no condolences. 13 American soldiers lost their lives, countless more injured. I know at CPAC, this is gonna be a big discussion. What was your initial reaction when you guys heard that? Both of you can respond to that. I mean, I, I just have to say, you know, 13 holiday tables were missing a loved one. Um, women and children who will be re-abused by the Taliban were left behind. Um, Americans were left behind. Uh, it's one of the most disgraceful military exits I've ever seen. And military exits are usually not that graceful. Um, and, and it's it's one thing to say, I feel like it was the right policy, which I would argue it was not. But it's a whole other thing for the president of the United States to say, basically, I'm not going to apologize to these families. We didn't do anything wrong. And they did do so many things wrong, including leaving tens of billions of dollars of equipment behind, leaving friends and allies behind, um, not taking care of all the Americans who are on the ground not taking care of the troops who were on the ground. Um, it was a disgraceful moment. And by the way, Joe Biden's never recovered from this because no matter what your politics are, you can't look at the exit from Afghanistan as anything other than an American disgrace. Yeah, that's all it was. And Mercedes, he said, I make no apologies for it. He said, there's no there's no easy way to do this. There's no good way to do it. Do it. But under Trump, it seemed like we were doing just fine with an agreement. A simple extension of the agreement might have worked. Uh, no kidding. I, I mean, you're right. And I think Afghanistan, the failure in Afghanistan, the arrogance of this Biden administration to not even acknowledge the failures associated with this disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, in essence, literally handing over the country 
to one of the most brutal terrorist organizations, the Taliban. Uh, you know, I talked to an Afghan interpreter, very pro-American, who worked alongside our military. He was telling me the horror stories of many of his friends who are hiding in areas of Afghanistan because the Taliban have simply said, you either give up, surrender, or we're going to come and execute you. And it's just the, a, a huge humanitarian uh, a humanitarian tragedy. And to know that now you have China that's gone into Afghanistan to basically prop up the Taliban uh, regime is also disastrous. But this goes into a broader uh, discussion on the fact that it is Biden who's failing when it comes to Russia, when it comes to China. These guys, these bad guys know that there is weak leadership in America. So they're taking advantage of this weakness. And that is why you're seeing an aggressive push by Putin uh, to go into Ukraine and possibly basically start a war. Uh, and then you also have the fact that China is going to continue to be aggressive uh, in the areas of the South China Sea and obviously with their threats on Taiwan. And this is as they look at America, they see that we're very divided, they see that we're obsessed with this COVID pandemic, and they also see that President Biden is just inequipped in to handle his job as president. Yeah, he was he was clearly in over his head, and the worst is yet to come from that Afghanistan debacle. I feel that. We're going to hear a lot about that. Also, election integrity is going to be on the forefront. Last question to you both. We were two votes away there last night from the federal government taking over the elections. That would have really changed the dynamic. Mercy, you go first on this one. When wow. we have oh, yeah. two votes away from becoming Canada or Venezuela. So, Matt, what's so disturbing is the fact that we are heavily relying on these two Democrat senators to basically save the filibuster. There's a huge propaganda machine on the left pushing for the elimination of the filibuster so the Democrats can take absolute control to fundamentally change our election process and federalize it. Uh, and which, of course, would be absolutely destructive for Republicans. But again, it's a scary time because if we keep losing these moderate type of Democrats and the more of the leftist de Democrats win these critical Senate seats, that is a hugely problematic in trying to keep literally our, our election system in, in, a, in what you would call in, in the hands of the states and where, you know, the governors are making these, helping to make these decisions to make sure that we protect voter integrity. Oh, no, I completely agree. And voter, voter integrity, the real voter integrity is the what, what we have to focus on, as we talked about in right. 2020. Matt, they want, they want a vote, they want an ID for, to show you're vaccinated. You got to have an ID to buy a beer, go on a plane ticket. You got to have an ID, ID to basically do anything. If you don't have an ID, you basically can't do anything. But for some reason, they don't want you to have an ID to vote. I know this is going to be a big topic at CPAC. Yeah, it's a huge topic, and there's no issue in polling that's more popular than voter ID because, as you said, it's a part of all of our lives. For everything we do, we have to show IDs. You have to have an ID to drive. You have to have an ID to have an appointment in a building. You have to have an ID to do everything, and the liberals 
now want us to have a uh, an ID to demonstrate that we're vaccinated, but they think it's racist uh, to have an ID for voting. And so it's two things to think in mind, three things to think in mind. Whenever we've moved into mail-in voting, Republicans don't win any more statewide elections. And the only state where that you could argue that's not true is Utah, where the Democrats in a very Republican state are more competitive than they've ever been. But in the other states, it's just going to be a replication of California. And why is that? Because when you do mail-in ballots and you don't have voter ID, you allow people to cram illegal ballots into these boxes. And that's what they do in these states where there's no no voter verification, no voter ID, and there's paper ballots. So, you know, I don't blame the Democrats for wanting to do this and for wrapping it up in the wrapping paper of civil rights for black people. It has absolutely nothing to do with skin color. It has to do with the Democrats getting more political power by voting illegally. And for those Republicans who continue to say there was not a large-scale uh, illegal voting in uh, in 2020, um, it'll be interesting what they think uh, as we go into 2022 and the Democrats try to not follow any of these laws with the Senate and House candidates that are more establishment, because they're going to lose, too, if we continue to allow Democrats to basically cheat when it comes to elections. Yeah, that's right. They found a way with drop boxes and mail-in ballots to secure fraud in the future, and they tried to make a law. That was just unbelievable. Well, let's have uh, CPAC 2022 here in Orlando Let's have that be the start of the red wave, kick off what happened or, or start what happened in Virginia and just continue it on into the midterms. This will be a great opportunity to just really get everybody energized. Agreed Excellent. completely. Oh, and Matt, just so you know, Matt's book is coming out uh, in February. Uh, it's called The Desecrators. It's going to be it's fabulous. The, his uh, experience with cancel culture and all those individuals who have tried to literally not only destroy, try to destroy my husband, but try to destroy anyone who stands up for uh, freedom and for our country. So that's coming out in February. You can pre-order it on Amazon or in Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's The Desecrators. I can't okay, believe I good. have to picture his own book. Can you believe it? <laughs> I should be the publicist. That's right. You should be not only the spiritual and wellness advisor, but the publicist right. too now. That is true. <laughs> and other things, but we won't go into oh, it. Oh, stop it. That's well, a good time to end the interview. <laughs> TMI, Schlapp, TMI. Yeah, come on, Schlapp, TMI. This is a family show. <laughs> Very good. Mercy and, and Matt Schlapp, thank you for joining us. So hopefully those media passes will be coming out soon. We look forward to seeing you guys in person in February Absolutely. down here in Orlando. Sounds great. Thanks so much. And we'll put the book out there, too. I hope it's not sitting out on the ocean somewhere in one of those boats. Oh. No, no, not yet. Not yet. Made in America. Made in America. Oh, that's awesome. Very good stuff. All right. Thank you. Driving through the Thanks. mountains of Pennsylvania, Mercedes and Matt Schlapp. Thank you for joining us on The Buff Show. Thank you so Take much. Care, Matt. Okay. We'll be right back. You guys stay with us. 
Veritas Tactical. Tactical. A family and law enforcement owned company where you can get custom built ARs with purpose built precision. They have a full line of handguns like Glock, Six Hour, Smith & Wesson and get your everyday carry items and accessories. Moreover, they are your Liberty Safe dealer. Need training? Veritas Tactical has all you need from getting your CCW to advanced tactical courses, female survival courses, and force-on-force scenarios. Veritas Tactical has a full-time gunsmith on site, Sarah Coding Services, laser engraving, and more. Mention the Buff Show and get a $25 discount on courses. You'll find Veritas Tactical at 207 North Goldenrod Road, Suite 200 in Orlando. Contact Veritas Tactical, 407-309-3000. 407-309-3000 and at VeritasTactical.com Veritas Tactical You heard about the simple math with a solar electric system earlier in the show Not all homes qualify An energy evaluation by a qualified professional to get the fully informed information is always recommended If your home qualifies solar is always a prudent financial move All Solar Energy in Longwood has been educating homeowners, roofing companies, property management firms, and now radio hosts about solar for 22 years. We have experts to perform no-cost, no-obligation energy evaluations to see if your home qualifies and explain the simple math of solar. Call All Solar Energy tomorrow at 866-412-4218 or visit the website www.allsolarenergy.com. Let them know you heard about it from me, Matt Buff, on The Buff Show. Welcome back to The Buff Show, AM 950, 94.9 FM, The Answer Orlando. This is the show that is the Ritz-Carlton of shows, not the uh, Hotel 6 with the bathroom key that has the wrench on it. David Pollock on The Buff Show. A little callback to our After the Show show last night we did after the Alan Dershowitz interview. So great to have you, David. (laughs) Thank you for having me, and happy birthday. The birthday Buff Show today. So it's an honor to be here. (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate that. David Pollack does not just politics with David Pollack on The Buff Show. The latest article came out, and how you see it is go to thebuffshow.com, click on news. He's the featured articles. He's our direct contributor on The Buff Show. And the article is, welcome to 2022, red wave coming. What will Trump do? So before we get into the article, um, maybe I'll have a birthday drink with you later too, because that was a fun after the show show last night. It was the best. We need to do more like that. I mean, it was just a good, lot of good people talking about the issues from different perspectives. We covered it all. And what was fun about it is we were all able to kind of insert our own sort of spin on it. None of us had the exact same opinion. It, it was fun. It was a great show. We need to do more of those for sure. Yeah, we definitely will. And I'm glad you jumped in on that. So it's just uh, it's a lot of fun when we talk about the different aspects of how we just almost lost our right to states rights to vote. And we're working on a big red wave right here. David, just take us through the article. And um, if if, like I said, if everyone check it out, thebuffshow.com, click on news, red wave coming and what will Trump do? Yeah. And well, this article was born out of the the conversation that I keep having and I keep hearing everybody have is what's Trump going to do? What's Trump going to do? Is Trump going to run? And, you know, it's funny is, you know, all the congressional candidates right now are trying to figure out what they're going to do with the quote unquote Trump situation. How are they going to handle Trump? Trump is still so relevant 
He hasn't even said if he's running for president or not. Trump is that big of a force in the Republican Party. His voters are a big force in the Republican Party. You know, I talk about in the article, the red pill uh, Republicans, these new conservatives that have found a home in the Republican Party because of Trump. And what Trump does is very important to them. Who Trump endorses is important to them. And these folks represent our strongest ground game in the Republican Party than we've had probably ever. It's where the Democrats have always done best. I was on the ground game and the emotional aspect of, of the election process. And Trump has inspired a new generation of people to get involved. And so what Trump does and who Trump endorses, whether or not he decides to run, is very relevant to honestly how successful the party is going to be. Now, I mentioned, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I just I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I was just thinking about the media piece when you're talking about Joe Biden, how he's sinking so low and the media is on his side. Yeah. I mean, look what Trump accomplished with the media against him. I love how you talk about stuff like that in the piece. But go ahead. Well, absolutely. And that's and, and that's the thing. The red wave, it's coming. I mean, historically, anytime you have a, a, a midterm election after a newly elected president, there usually is a power shift. This is, these are kind of cyclical things. But the size of the red wave is definitely going to be impressive, um, considering the Democrats hold such a slim majority right now in Congress and in the Senate. It's basically a 50-50 Senate. So there's a real opportunity for a big um, momentum change and a power shift in Congress. The interesting part, though, is there's never been a president this unpopular in history in their, in their first term. So the amount of people who held their nose and voted for Biden because they didn't like Trump's personality or whatever, these are people who are going to be voting against Biden in this in this uh, upcoming election. And like I mentioned in the article, we already have almost 30 Democrats who aren't even going to seek reelection because they know they can't be reelected. That's already a huge, a 30 vote power shift is big in and of itself. And we're not even done talking about all the unexpected flips that, that are definitely going to occur. You, you talk about that, and, it, and I love that in the article, too, because it's historic. Yeah. I mean, you can go back to, uh, to with Obama in 2010 where he took a shellacking. It was half that number. Right. They're jumping ship. They're, they're jumping off the ship like rats. That's why the Democrats were so desperate to take over elections. It's just so weird. The Venezuelan takeover of election was two votes away, and they know that they're losing their grip on the country, and the only way to do it was through fraud and legalizing the fraud, David. It, it, I mean, it is concerning. Like, you know, we keep destroying um, our perception of our voting processes and, and with the voting acts and then all the you know, the electioneering that goes along with trying to convince people to go along with the Voter Rights Act. And it, you can't keep telling people that the elections are fair and that you should have confidence. And at the same time, tell people that they shouldn't have confidence in the elections. We have to clean up. Either our elections are fair and honest or they're not. And if they're not, what are we going to do about it, regardless of who it benefits? But going back to the 2022 midterm elections, what, what I think is, is going a lot into what Trump is going to do, which is the big question. Because if Trump runs for president here in, in 2024, I mean, I know it's three years away, but if he runs, what Republican is going to win a primary if Trump's on? Nobody. Nobody can out-primary Trump. So Trump is going to be the presidential nominee, whether anybody likes it or not, if he decides to do so. The big question is, and this is what the article has to do with it, do you think Trump's going to run? And I don't think he will. That My prediction is, I hope he does. I think he's one of the best presidents in American history. You might not like his personality. But what he was able to accomplish 
in the in just his first term with impeachments, with the all the collusion and things that were going on and all the false narratives and the Mueller investigation. I mean, think about what this person had to undergo while they were still being successful. Biden has everybody on his side. He has the media, he has Congress, he has everybody, and he can't even get food on the shelf. He can't get frozen French fries, for God's sakes. And Trump was able to reduce unemployment to record lows amongst all categories. He was able to grow our GDP. Unemployment was low. Taxes were low. Regulatory environment was much more favorable to businesses. All during a pandemic, for God's sakes. We had COVID the entire time Trump was president. And you know what? We had access to medications. We had hospital capacity. He set up extra hospital capacity. We still had stuff on our shelves. I mean, Trump was the most successful president in any category, even if you don't like his tweets. And I think a lot of people now, thanks to the media's impossible standards that they placed upon him, are seeing how good of a president Trump actually was. I think people would vote for Trump if you ran again. But let's talk about Trump for a second here. Trump has a lot to lose. Now, he's been elected once, arguably twice. If he runs for president and somehow loses, whether it be from whatever circumstance, well, now that credibility is sort of lost. Trump's power now is in the fact that he could want run and he would get the nomination and he would likely win. That makes Republicans fear him and respect him. And as a result, who he endorses is very important. Now, we have a red wave coming, and I say this in my article. If Trump endorses my, my puppy, my puppy will probably win, not just because Trump endorsed my puppy, but my puppy would probably make a congressperson, but because Republicans are going to win. Republicans are going to win no matter what. Democrats know it. So if Trump can sit there and go, hey, I'm endorsing this person who is inevitably going to win anyway, and we have an historic red wave, Trump can sit back and say, best president in history, won twice but for fraud, and now I have the biggest red wave in history, and I did that. Think about the power he can have. People want to make him Speaker of the House. Like, people want this man around, not to mention all the votes he controls. I don't know that Trump's going to risk that and run for president again if he goes and endorses somebody like Ron DeSantis of Florida. Ron DeSantis would arguably be a great president. He's been a great governor. Trump endorses DeSantis. DeSantis wins, which he probably would because Biden's not very popular. So he has a red wave and then an endorsed popular governor that he helped make. And I mentioned that in the article. That's president of the United States. Trump can sit back with his new social media company, rake in the bucks, and be one of the most influential people in the Republican Party until he chooses not to be. And I think that's the position he's going to take, unless he has no choice. David, I love the plan. The article is great. It lays it all out. Everybody check it out. I think it, I think that is the best way to go forward. And I hope you're right. And I can't wait to see it play out because that plan would secure America for years and years to come. Everybody check out Not Just Politics on thebuffshow.com. David Pollack, thank you so much for the contribution you do for the show. And you guys can meet this guy at CPAC in February. Can't wait to be there. And happy birthday. And again, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks, David. I appreciate that. Well, that'll do it for this edition of The Buff Show. You guys stay smart out there. We'll see you next week.